It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 17th, 2013. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Look forward to our discussion. And we're looking forward to our participation from our listeners tonight at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com on an interesting and timely subject tonight. Yeah, this is all in the news, Jacob. Of course, since the uh, school shootings in Newtown, Connecticut, there's been a lot of talk about violence. Uh, of course, it's, it's provoked a lot of discussion about gun control, but it has also brought to the surface what may be motivating some of these shooters to do this kind of violent activity, including violent video games, violent movie and TVs, rap music and other such things and that yeah, it's re- that message is resonating even maybe with some you know, I'm really, that, by the way. and i'm really grateful that it is yes uh because uh, i think that's got to be addressed it's not uh, i don't think that controlling guns is going to solve the problem but we can get into that but we have an interesting interview lined up jacob we do we want to welcome uh, jack thompson from coral gables florida on the phone jack has uh, been very prominent and outspoken in the national media on this he appeared a couple times on 60 minutes uh, he said over or eight times on today's show and hundreds of times on national media trying to get uh, the video game industry to clean up their act. And we welcome Jack to the program. Jack, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. It's great to be with you and your listeners. Jack, uh, you have uh, taken a, a, a good stand against the violent video games, but you've paid a price. And uh, I, I, a quick search of the Internet finds that uh, you are a very hated individual. Well, I am hated. Um, you know, I think... I think Churchill once said that uh, if people don't hate you, then you're you're not doing something right. Um, look, I uh, I've I've had the high privilege and and the distinct honor to represent families of individuals killed by teenagers who literally trained on violent video games, which are nothing more than murder simulators. Some of these games to kill them. And uh, the first such case was in December of 1999 uh, when I came to represent, um, uh, excuse me, in April of 99, the parents of three girls shot and killed in the Paducah school shooting. It was one I of remember the first, that. I remember that one. Yeah. It was one of the first school shootings, Michael Carneal, 13 years of age. Uh, it was established at his criminal trial by Diane Shetke, who's a world-renowned forensic pediatric psychiatrist. She was at Yale at the time. She testified that but for Carneal's consumption of a specific movie, The Basketball Diaries, which glamorizes a school shooting, and the playing of the game Doom, he would not have killed these three girls. That was established at his criminal trial. So we filed a federal lawsuit uh, uh, in which we would have uh, the idea was we would prove to a jury that this game marketed to underage kids, bought by underage kids and played by them, had trained him to do things that he couldn't, could not have otherwise done. 
And um, the day after we filed that lawsuit in federal court in the Western District of Kentucky, we were on the Today Show with Matt Lauer, the first of eight appearances I had on that show, which is no big deal in and of itself except to point out that this issue, and that was in April of 1999, this issue has been out there for quite some time and before Newtown, Sandy Hook happened. And Matt Lauer asked me, and there's a reason I'm telling you this story, Matt Lauer asked me, uh, Jack, what do you fear based upon what you've learned in the Paducah case? I said, Matt, what we fear is that other boys in other American high schools will play the same game, watch the same movie, and do the same thing or worse. Eight days later, Columbine happened, and we knew within about two days that Klebold and Harris had were so enamored of the Basketball Diaries movie starring uh, young Leo DiCaprio back then, that they made their own version of the classroom shooting scene to celebrate it. They were enamored of it. They, they also said in their videotaped suicide note that they wanted to replicate the game Doom in the hallways of Columbine, and they did. They trained on that game just as Michael Carneal had. And so then we fast forward now to uh, dozens and dozens of school shootings, including Virginia Tech, where the student Cho uh, killed 32 people. He trained on the game Counter-Strike. But we fast forward to Sandy Hook, and we know from a plumber who visited apparently frequently the Lanza home that was run by this uh, divorced mother uh, who was uh, the first victim in all uh, in the shootings that day, that she allowed her autistic son or, or otherwise challenged, mentally challenged son to, to babysit himself in a windowless basement by playing games like Call of Duty, which is an incredibly violent combat game, and also Counter-Strike, the same uh, 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 game that Cho, as I just said, of Virginia Tech trained on. It's really scary that you're seeing a, a recurrence of these same games. Oh, you see it all over the yeah, place. Yeah. Jonesboro, um, um, uh, Anchorage, Alaska. We, we don't have enough time on this program for me to simply say the names of the towns in which these school shootings have occurred. But here's the problem. The video games do two things. They suppress the inhibition to kill, and they also give you killing scenarios, tactics, techniques that you wouldn't otherwise have. For example, in Paducah, Michael Carneal shot all of his victims in the head. Where do, you, where do you learn that? You learn that counterintuitive technique that the intuitive thing is to shoot at the thorax, at the, at the body mass. But to shoot someone in the head, which is a much smaller target, is something you learn to do in the video games. The Grand Theft Auto video games teach you to shoot in the head. Completely counterintuitive, and yet a video game-induced technique. They, so um, we've got two sides of the same coin. Suppression of the inhibition to kill, which you could also call desensitization, to the act of killing, and then also enabling you, giving you skills, techniques that you wouldn't otherwise have to kill. This and for many people, this is the most persuasive argument. The United States military, gentlemen, and, and your audience out there listening, uses video games to break down the inhibition to kill of new recruits. Because if Johnny's been raised right by his parents 
and even if he's, and certainly especially if he's a hunter and has used guns, then he's been taught never to point a gun at a human being, never to kill another human being. And so part of the basic and extended training in our military correctly is to break down the resistance of a new recruit and a soldier to kill another human being because that's his job. That's how he stays alive, and that's how he keeps us alive and free. Hey, Jack, listen so to the, this. Listen listen to this. This ties in with what you were just saying. I, I came across an article, uh, 1998, August 10th, 1998, in Christianity Today. Written, well, that's by, I, well, let me just tell you, I know what you're going to say, Colonel Grossman. David Grossman, exactly right. And, David and, uh, David Grossman test, was prepared to testify in the Paducah case. He was part of the triage units, uh, emergency triage units in the Jonesboro shooting because he lived in Jonesboro. Dave Grossman and I have appeared on 60 Minutes together, addressed the American Bar Association together. He's the world's greatest authority and a Christian gentleman on the linkage between these games and these yeah. shootings. He's a, he's a retired military psychologist. And uh, just let me comment about what he said here and, and get your take on it. I know you, since you know him well, you've no sure. doubt heard these facts before. But he said during World War II, only about 15 to 20 percent of the military's riflemen could bring themselves to fire at a living target. And so the military officials began working on a program with brain of brainwashing by the time the Korean War, 55% of soldiers were willing to kill. In the Vietnam conflict, the rate had climbed to 90%. Uh, he says, although this was not without its problems, numerous cases where soldiers virtually went berserk, killing old people, women, and children, considerable amount of post-war trauma. Uh, but he goes on right. to say the psychological tactics that were employed by the military for many years to achieve these goals with young men uh, so that they are conditioned to kill are now incorporated into the video games that youngsters play. Well, that's why the military has a, the what's called the Institute for Creative Technologies at the University of Southern California. This is not black helicopter stuff. This is a matter of public record. And what the video game industry does is collaborate with the Department of Defense to create training simulators, video games, to accomplish exactly what Dave is talking about. And then, and here's part of the scandal, the military then uh, uh, authorizes the video game industry to turn these into commercial games, which civilian kids then play. So if it has this effect of breaking down the resistance to kill as well as giving killing scenarios to military personnel, then why in the world would it not have that same effect upon civilian kids? And, of course, it does. Dave Grossman taught the psychology of warfare at West Point. His book on killing, which I heartily recommend, is available at Amazon.com and anywhere else, was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. And when, when Columbine happened, uh, uh, then President Clinton said, quote, Dave Grossman is the one man that America should listen to to determine and find out why Columbine happened, close quote. So Dave and I, because of my prediction on the Today Show, which the producers of 60 Minutes saw eight days before Columbine happened, put me on 60 Minutes uh, to talk about the connection between these games and school shootings because I had predicted Columbine. And to his uh, everlasting credit, Ed Bradley, 
who is a, a liberal but a real gentleman and, and actually a very rigorous journalist, uh, became so unnerved by what Dave Grossman and I were talking about, especially Grossman because he's such a compelling advocate for this position, that Bradley took to his grave the conviction that this was a problem that 60 Minutes and CBS uh, news organization be, should be concerned about and expose. And in fact, six years later, just before he died, he came down to Alabama to interview me, got out of his deathbed in Manhattan to do a show on a cop killing in which a, a kid trained on the Grand Theft Auto games uh, and killed three police officers in Fayette, Alabama. And but for the video game training, in which he was able to practice killing cops, he would not have been able to do it. So Ed Bradley then returned to Manhattan and died. Uh, that's how committed he was to expose this issue. So let me ask you something. How, that's how I that's how I lost my law license because that event on 60 Minutes and and what I was I was working with uh, uh, then Senator Hillary Clinton. I was working with Republicans, Democrats, and state legislatures. We were on a roll to roll back the video game industry's molestation of our children and the causing of these school shootings, uh, and that's when they came after me and they got me. But I'm still here, I'm still alive, and we're still talking about the issue because it's a very important one. All right. We're, we're almost to a break, but let me ask you just very quickly, and then after we get back from the break, I want to throw some listener questions at you that we've received sure. by email. But since this is, I mean, this is an indisputable linkage between these violent video games and all this violent activity among youths in, in these mass shootings and so forth. Uh, why isn't there a greater outcry um, among legislators to restrict this kind of content? Is it... Well, what? well I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Because uh, they've tried and they've, um, in, they've messed it up. Uh, there was a state a law on the books in California that was not well drafted. I tried to persuade the legislator, uh, Whelan Yee, a good man who didn't quite get the law right, to modify it so it could withstand constitutional challenge. And uh, the case went to the Supreme Court about two years ago. Uh, Justice Scalia, with whom I increasingly find myself in disagreement, and I'm a conservative, but he's become a whatever corporations want to do, they're allowed to do it, mentality, really a libertarian in outlook uh, that, that refuses to address the injustices that sometimes come out of the corporate world. He authored the ruling saying, quote, there's no evidence whatsoever that indicates that these video games cause anyone uh, to do anything wrong or impact them in any fashion whatsoever, close quote. That's utter Nonsense. The That's American a... Psychological Association has found in three separate studies a causal, not a correlation, but a causal nexus between teenagers playing violent video games and increased aggression by those teenagers sometimes resulting in violence. So all of the science goes the other way. Yeah, that's that's just an uninformed uh, uh, statement. It's a stupid. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ideo ideological position. He's certainly entitled to his ideological position. But that same Supreme Court uh, ruled three years prior to that in the uh, um, Somers case that you cannot put a juvenile on death row. 
you can't execute a juvenile. Why is that? And I happen to agree with this. And the ruling was, in an opinion authored by Justice Kennedy, that teenage brains are different than adult brains. And in fact, we know from Harvard brain scan studies that video games are processed in a different part of the brain in juveniles than they are in adults. They're processed in the midbrain, the animal emotion-driven part of the brain. And as the brain matures and, and, and uh, grows older, there are uh, neural pathways called dendrites that connect the frontal lobe, which is the conscience, the uh, reflective, uh, the, um, uh, in effect, the highest thinking part of the brain, and connects the midbrain to it, and it intercepts emotion-driven responses that otherwise a younger brain, a more immature brain, an individual would act out. So, so the brain scan studies at Harvard show that the, mid, the video games are processed in this midbrain of young people, and in adults they're processed in the forebrain. So there's a neurobiological basis for not giving kids the death penalty, and there's a neurobiological basis for understanding that video games, 12-year-olds playing Grand Theft Auto in which they have sex with prostitutes and then kill them to get their money back and to kill any police officer who comes across them actually have behavioral consequences, and that's what we saw in Sandy Hook. Jack, I want to. We need to take a break, but when we get back. We often are confronted with the argument when we say that this kind of stuff is inappropriate and unacceptable. People answer back, "Well, it's just violence. It's not that big a deal." I want to talk to you about that. I want to I want to talk to you and ask you the question: How much exposure to this is tolerable? At what point does it become a problem? And uh, and I also understand and know that there are older people, adults, who are into this type of uh, stuff as well. Is that a danger? I want to ask you that as well. If you've got any questions for Jack, you can ask them in the we chat got, room. And we've got several by email. So and Jack, send we're going to go rapid fire when we get we'll back. We'll take a break, and we'll get back to Jack Thompson from Coral Gables, Florida, right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're trying to be like a church you read about in the Bible, and we're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return for the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Great occasions do not make heroes or cowards. They simply unveil them to the eyes of men. Silently and imperceptibly, as we wake or sleep, we grow strong or weak, and at last some crisis shows what we have become. If all human misfortunes were laid in one common heap, whence everyone must take an equal portion, most people would be content to take back their own and depart. Man, I wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Welcome you back. And we're talking with Jack Thompson from Coral Gables, Florida, an anti-violent video game activist. He has been called a radical uh, fascist and an anti-fun machine. Uh, he's against a violent Oh, yeah, that's game. it. That's it, Jack. You just don't want anybody to have fun, do you? Listen, um... You know, fascism, it's an interesting term to be thrown at somebody who thinks that uh, 
Ronald Reagan was the greatest president of the 20th century. And uh, if you if we want to talk about fascism, we can talk about what's going on in Washington D.C. right now. But that's that's, that's another that's another show. discussion. Look, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a born again Christian. Uh, I'm a father of a son, uh, happily married for 37 years. Um, um, you know, I'm simply like your listeners out there. We are distressed by what our country has become and the culture that we are swimming in, this raw sewage that we call pop culture, is having an effect on an entire generation of children. Jack, before the break, I ask you the question that often people will argue, well, it's just violence, it's not that big a deal, it's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, any kind of sexual immorality that we're engaged in here, it's just violent video game. What's your response to that? The great philosopher Pascal said that there is a hole in every heart that has to be filled with something. And some fill it with God, and that's a perfect fit. There are others who spend their whole lives trying to fill up that hole in their hearts and their souls with uh, pornography, uh, with loveless sex, with drugs, and some try to fill it uh, either uh, with all of those, or also violence, because violence is titillating. Violence is entertaining. And uh, uh, what we have are incredibly violent movies that Quentin Tarantino has specialized in. But what we have in the video games is something worse, in my opinion, than all of those, and that is um, the, pro- the problem with video games, it's, it's interactive. It is not a passive consumption of images. It is an actual acting out in a virtual setting of, of the violence and the pornography. And increasingly, video games are both pornographic and violent. And so you can act this out, and therefore, if you act it out in a virtual setting, you're more likely to act it out in a real setting. Now, does everybody who plays Grand Theft Auto go out and rape people or shoot police officers? No. But there are different people at, at risk to varying degrees, and some of them, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, but we know, as I indicated earlier, the American Psychological Association, which is not exactly a group of right-wing uh, zealots or fascists, has found that the entire set or universe of young people uh, that play these games become more aggressive, less empathetic, some of them violent. And so you have a continuum uh, of response some severe, some not as severe, to the consumption of violent interactive entertainment. But the interactive nature of it is particularly troubling because you are assenting to this violence because you're actually participating in it. And to the extent you participate in it, you're then more likely to uh, agree with it, find it entertaining. And indeed, the video game industry... Uh, And when this is known, and this will eventually get in a courtroom, it may be in Sandy Hook because I believe there are going to be wrongful death lawsuits brought arising out of Sandy Hook, and the jury in those cases will hear that the video game industry literally designs these games by hooking young people up to polygraph devices, Mm. and they show them various killing and and, uh, sexual scenarios to determine which Scenarios are the most uh, uh, 
uh, exciting. They, they uh, measure, as a polygraph does, their heart rate, their respiration, and the sweat on their fingertips. And so the games are literally designed to create a, an addiction uh, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, any yeah, parent, right. any parent who would hear that uh, and then continue to deny that there's any linkage or that there's any intent to link those things uh, is just is well. Let's, uh, let me. You're right. And let me give you another example. The very people who say, "Oh, there could be no behavior modification from video games," are the very same people who won't allow cigarette advertising to be on TV or in magazines. Because it might persuade young people to smoke. Yeah, um, that's really inconsistent. Yeah, very the, inconsistent. The very video game industry that says it has no effect on anyone is the industry that spends hundreds of millions of dollars every year to run ads to encourage people to buy these games. Well, if advertising and images and sales pitches don't affect behavior in any fashion, don't affect the buying impulse, then they're wasting their money. Right. And 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 finally, all of these games that are are of this type have warning. They're not warning labels. They're stickers, mature rated and so forth, which is an admission that they shouldn't be played by young people. And yet they market the dickens out of them and sell them to young people. Yeah. Unbelievable, how, Jack. I think I know your answer to this, but how much uh, exposure to this is too much? Oh, I'd say about one second. Okay. okay but the but the but the point is. The more at risk a certain individual is for whatever, uh, uh, you know, personal aspects of his personality or the environment in which he finds himself or his peer groups or whatever, uh, you couple the at-risk factor, and then as you increase the amount of play, some, some kids are literally playing these games hundreds of hours a month some of them nonstop for 24, 48 hours at a time. In fact, some kids have died. Yeah, I've heard of that. Playing, playing video games because they become dehydrated. They won't take bathroom, bathroom breaks and they won't eat. Uh, there are competitions with video games in which people wear adult diapers so they don't have to get up from the game <laughs> Isn't that amazing? to relieve themselves. That's okay. how addictive the games are. Now, I got I, I got a question uh, quickly before. I, uh, what about is there an age limit, Jack? Is it is 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 it less of a danger for those who are older? Is it okay for those who are older to be exposed to this? Well, a couple of answers there. One is you got you got to wonder, don't you, about an adult who's playing these games? I mean, get a life. And and so, so an adult who would uh, waste his time playing these games uh, is a little bit off. But as far as uh, behavior modification, the younger you are and the younger you start, uh, the more likely you are to be impacted because, the, as I said earlier, the games in a young brain are processed in the addictive, emotion-driven midbrain uh, that can lead to, uh, in fact, functional retardation uh, so that the brain doesn't develop normally. And in fact, at the very least, it's a, the video games are colossal waste of time. Uh, one of the reasons why males are flunking out of college at record rates is they're playing video games addictively so instead of doing their homework and Amazing. doing their studies, whereas girls tend not to flunk out because girls and there's a lot of reasons for this, but girls are really not drawn to video games because 
um, they're just put together differently psychologically. Here's a question in our – we've got a chat room running as we're talking, uh, Jack, and here's a good question yep. from John, a listener in Oklahoma. He says, uh, what other factors go into, into developing these homicidal characters? Millions of kids play these violent games without becoming homicidal. Uh, are there additional developmental factors to be considered in all these school shootings? Oh, absolutely, and and that is a good question. Um, no one would say that a video game by itself causes Sandy Hook or Columbine or Jonesboro or Paducah. But what what I'm saying and what the law uh, would acknowledge is, is the theory of legal causation is that you can have a multi-link chain. You can have uh, psychological difficulties. You can have a broken home. You can have peer pressure. You can have drug use. You can have someone who is on meds and then goes off their meds. You can have bullying in a school setting. You can have all sorts of factors that can come together in individuals that result in these types of cataclysmic events. The point is that the video games, as one of the links in that causal chain, are the one thing that equips someone to act out this at-risk behavior in a very uh, a dramatic, dangerous, uh, murderous way. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, we've had troubled kids in this country for, for 400 years. You had kids going to school with guns for hundreds of years, and yet they didn't turn them on one another. Why is that? Because they were trained to think of guns as something to, after school, go hunt and get the family's dinner. But what's changed? What's changed is a popular culture in which violence is perceived to be cool, in which kids spend hundreds of hours, some of them a month, practicing shooting other human beings in a virtual setting. And, of course, then, that virtual reality bleeds on over and spills over into real reality. It's, it's, it's just common sense. As a parent, any parent out there knows that their children are sponges. They will, they will uh, whether it's TV or good manners or language, either good or bad, they will soak it up and then they will parrot it simply because that's what kids do. That's how kids learn. They see, it's monkey see, monkey do, in effect. Right. And so you have, you have kids, some of them five, six years of age, who bad parents are putting in front of video screens and babysitting them with because the games are so engrossing. It's an incredibly cheap way to babysit your kid and also ruin his brain. But there are hundreds of thousands of parents doing just that, and that means there are more Sandy Hooks on the way. Okay, Jack, we're almost out of time. We, we said we'd keep you for 30 minutes, and that time's running out quickly. Let me, let me quickly fire a few questions that have come to us by email. Mike, a listener in Indiana, says, if parents had children who did play video games, what's, what advice would you offer as a means of removing the violent influence from the home? Would you remove them cold turkey, or is there a way to, to gently explain it to the children so they see why the family's making this decision? Well, I think, I think you do both. First of all, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's better not to let them get started. If you've got a kid under 17 playing mature-rated games, then you're violating the industry's own alleged standard as to what they ought to consume. And, yes, you, you need to say, look, I'm the parent here. 
we've made a determination, you can't do this, go out and shoot baskets instead of people uh, in the game. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, there's I've, I've had to put up with this notion as a parent. You're the parent, and that's the kid. And you, it's, this is not a debating society. This is a parenting situation in which the parent has to be prepared to say no and then incur the wrath of the child. But that's what good parenting is. It's doing what's good for your kid. And another question. My son plays Madden football and other sports games, and I'm not sure if I would permit them from play. Uh, uh, permit them to play a boxing or UFC sports game if they wanted one. Uh, what do you feel about violent that. sports games? Well, I think they can be brutal. I, you know, the the uh, uh, the UCF and and whatever alphabets they they put on these the extreme fighting. I mean, it's really brutal stuff. It's it's like the uh, Roman circuses and the gladiatorial contests of two thousand years ago. It's very disturbing. Saint Augustine. Uh, found it very disturbing and uh, and uh, life changing to come in contact with that type of brutality. So we've we've got a a world that's increasingly uh, desensitized to violence in all sorts of. And forms. so what? And, he, and the other question here is, what about watching like wrestling shows and other violent shows, movies? You you said already that watching is bad. The video games are worse because they're interactive. And so obviously. The video games are a major thing for parents to target, but they also got to be con- they also got to be concerned about their children just viewing violent content. Of course they do. I mean, there have been cases in schools back when the uh, teenage uh, mutant ninja warriors or whatever it was called mutant mutant teenage turtles uh, turtles turtles yeah. yeah the ninja warriors uh, uh, yeah and the and the turtles and so forth. You had kids acting even as, as as mild the violence as that. So of course uh, there was a case here in Florida. Nathaniel Brazil, I believe, was his name. He killed his uh, sister by uh, uh, doing a, a, a wrestling move that he had seen on WWF. Yeah, I, 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 rem- I, rem- I remember growing up. This is how far it's come. You wouldn't let us watch the Three Stooges. Do you remember that? Because it they're was, always slapping. They're each slapping other. each other around, and you thought well, we might want to do that. Yeah, too. yeah. and you, you would you would see kids in school. I, that's my the era I grew up in, in which kids did that, but but the, <laughs> and acted it out and, and parroted it. But my goodness, uh, now kids uh, can play Grand Theft Auto and do in which they do all sorts of unspeakable and sexual sex filled acts, and it has. Uh, um, uh, it's particularly troubling because uh, brain mappers will tell you that the sex control and the violence control parts of the brain are intertwined with one another. And so in a teenage male brain, if you have him connect violence with the sex act, then you're basically growing a rapist. Wow. And that's, that's what the video there, the, 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 the snuff game, Manhunt, was a game in which you would sneak up behind people and suffocate them with plastic bags made by the same people that made the Grand Theft Auto games, and there was a sexual component to all that. So it's a it's the interactive equivalent of a snuff film. Wow, very scary. Real quickly, we got a, a question, um, sort of more of a comment from uh, Chris, a listener in England. He he thinks that the U.S. rating system is more ambiguous. He says over there he, he thinks their rating system. They have E exempt, U universal, PG parental guidance, but then they also have a 12, 15, and 18, which are the minimum ages for 
people to play these games. It's a yeah. it's a much better system, and it's and they're more serious about it too. There's an actual penalty that will be incurred if you sell it to someone underage. Here, there's no penalty at all. So they, here they, they put they, an age they put an age label on it that is vague, is not specific enough, really doesn't inform parents enough here in the U.S. And then if you breach the uh, rating system, nothing happens. Right. So you think they need to put some more teeth in the in the enforcement of those rating systems? If they're going, if it's well, going to be here, soft, here's what they need. They we we need we have to and we can and we don't we've run out of time. But there's a way to do it statutorily and and in conjunction and in alignment with the Constitution. But what we're going to get out of this study that the president has ordered. Um, and maybe the first good thing he's done as president is is uh, a finding that there is a causal link between these games and acts of violence. Now, and once we have that established, then you're going to see all hell break loose, so to speak, uh, because there will be, then be a federal law that will uh, sanction the marketing and sale of these games that cause Sandy Hooks to other people's children. All right. Well, Jack, we, we've kept you longer than we said we would by a few minutes, but your information is just very valuable. Very uh, we, we admire your knowledge on this subject and appreciate the work you're doing in trying to get that message out. I know you've suffered personally because you've taken such a strong stand on these things. I think a lot more Christians uh, that we are acquainted with need to wake up to the dangers of these video games, and hopefully your participation with us on the virtual Bible study tonight will help to accomplish that. Well, gentlemen, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. Secondly, let's do this again, because this story is going to continue to spool out as we see the consequences of Sandy Hook and when we learn more fully how deeply enmeshed Adam Lanza was in this type of, quote, entertainment. And then finally, let's keep in mind what Winston Churchill said. He said, most thing, most men, when they stumble across the truth, pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and move on as if nothing had happened. <laughs> we have to, as a country, learn that something, there, there are some reasons why Sandy Hook happened. We need to find out what they are, and we need to do something about them. And I can tell you that guns, uh, gun control is not going to solve the problem. Now, I think uh, What we have to do is change the hearts. There you go. And, and, and prevent the molestation of children by commercial enterprises with the entertainment that trains them not only how to kill but to enjoy killing. All right. Thank Gr you, Jack. Great message, Jack. Thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, thank you, and may God bless you. Good thank night. You. All right, we'll take a quick break and get your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Uh, Questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room has been very busy. We're going to miss those comments tonight. We won't be able to get to them all, but we'd like to hear from you on the phone. It's toll-free. The line is open. What do you think? You think violent video games are really the uh, danger to our children and to us even that uh, Jack Thompson uh, yeah, says they are? We've got some questions uh, that we sent out earlier today. We'll try to cover those as quickly as we can as we uh, continue this discussion about violence. All right. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Have you ever heard that the raw chemicals that compose your body, if reduced to their simplest form, would be worth less than $1 on the open market? While this may be true, a man named H.J. Morowitz, writing in a publication called Hospital Practice, has reached a far different conclusion. 
He priced the various complex ingredients of the human body using a standard catalog from a biochemical company. Prices ranged from hemoglobin at $2.95 per gram to a hormone called prolactin at $17,500,000 per gram. If these components were all synthesized from simpler forms, Morowitz estimates that the human body would be worth over $6 billion. He proceeds to speculate about the incredible task of attempting to assemble these ingredients into cells, tissues, and organs. That, of course, would require knowledge and ability that men do not even possess. Finally, Morowitz concludes that the human body is absolutely priceless. While this is not intended as an exhaustive study into the chemistry of our bodies, it does lead us to a few pertinent observations. First, too often we take for granted the wonderful blessings of God's creation, including our own amazing physical bodies. Secondly, we can see the value of each individual, both body and soul, even more clearly when we consider that God sent his own son to die for us. And finally, Jesus' words seem to have extra meaning when he said, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark 8, verses 36 and 37. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program, I'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about violence and violent video games on the program tonight. Ben and Iowa opening discussion with Jack Thompson from Florida. Oh, yeah, real eye-opener. Of course, it, we were talking, he, he's an expert in the psychology of the thing and, the, and knows a lot of the... the political developments that have been related to this issue. We didn't get into Bible with him, but we want to do that as we continue this discussion. Real quickly, let me go to some questions that we asked our listeners by email earlier today, asked for their feedback to our update list. Uh, I asked, do you think that people, including Christians, are influenced, and if so, to what extent, by violent video games, movies, and TV, and even news reporting. We could also add rap music and other things like that, violent music. Even news reporting, that's good. Uh, uh, Let's see, this is Ramona in Texas said, with repeated watching, they can numb you to what is being shown, whereas this sort of stuff should offend and scare you and should not be watched. That is correct. It's done for entertainment. Even news is entertaining, and we're we're getting entertained by uh, this stuff, and so that is a very important point. Appreciate that, Uh, Ramona. Carol in Alabama says, influence creeps in, Galatians 2, 4, Jude 4. I'm continually astonished at what I hear about Christians posting on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Facebook, but I hear others talk about it. The movies they watch and allow their children to watch, also the violent video games they allow their young children to play. A few such movies come to mind. She mentions The Hunger Games. The main storyline involves a violent competition, and she goes on to describe the Twilight series. It has to do with the occult. Uh, It has sex and nudity and violence and gore. Uh, Harry Potter's series even has to do with with the occult and witchcraft. has violence and gore and profanity. uh, she says, uh, she, she says, wouldn't being influenced a little bit be what Galatians 2 and Jude 4 are getting at? And we should be aware of what's coming into our families. I agree, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Chris in the U.K. says, yes, desensitization and dehumanization of to people, lack of empathy, even to the point where proper value systems are turned upside down, like the example of Dexter, where a hero is made of a serial killer of serial killers, not to mention the exposure to liberalism or an evolutionist worldview where might is right, where God is mocked or have his name treated as nothing 
or his cross downplayed. Where sins are relative and at times apparently the right thing to do, where all sexual preferences are valid, and I could continue to go on and on. Thank you, Chris. All right, and Chris in Atlanta says... All these things, video games, movies, TV, news reporting, rap music, all are influential, but the video games are much more so. These games are very realistic as you are pulling the trigger and killing people, monsters, and so forth. Kids and many adults immerse themselves for hours on end in these games. It's very desensitizing. Not to sound like an old man, but back in my day, the most violent video game was a plumber trying to rescue a princess from an ape. Now you kill people. (laughs) Now you kill people and zombies. These games also have a shocking amount of sexual content and foul language. My daughter was playing one cartoon-type game, and one scene had God dancing, and then he used profanity. Needless to say, that game is no longer played in this house. Um, all of these people are echoing from their own, I think, speaking from their own experience, what Jack Thompson has documented from his extensive research into this subject. I mean, he, he was even telling us what parts of the brain are influenced by these video games. Right, and we didn't have a lot of Bible in the first part of the program, but it was... It was and in, in, in on purpose to show us that people understand there's a problem with this, and now look what the Bible says about it, and you've got to make sure that your actions line up with what the Bible's saying. We've got some proof here from an external source that these things do have an effect. Your next question. The next question was, how would you respond to someone, possibly a Christian, who claims that watching violence does not have a negative impact on them? For example, he watches R-rated movies, but he justifies it by saying it's rated that way due to the violence rather than the sexual content. And Chris in the U.K. says, but what positive things did it give you? Maybe it didn't give you negative, but what about the positive? That would just be uh, not to argue the point. But Chris uh, in Atlanta says, I would ask this Christian how they can reconcile watching this with Philippians chapter 4, verse Verse 8, if they are honest with themselves, they cannot. All right, real quickly, we, we went on to ask the question, what Bible verses, uh, what do you think are the five strongest Bible verses that teach against violence? And I've got an answer from Ramona. Uh, she references Matthew 26, 52 and following, where Jesus told his disciple to put his sword back when he took his sword to defend Jesus. We won't read all these. She mentions uh, uh, Matthew 5, 38 and 39, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Hebrews 10, 30, uh, we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all the soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Matthew 7, verses 1 and following, judge not that you be not judged. All right, Chris in the U.K. submits his five verses. Psalm 11, verse 5, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. That's important. Yeah. The Lord hates those who love violence. James 1, 19 and 20, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Matthew 26, 52, Jesus told him to put up his sword. Isaiah 60, verse 18. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land. Desolation nor destruction within thy borders. Thou shalt call uh, thy wall salvation and thy gates praise. Romans, that, that may be taken out a little bit out of context there. Romans 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life and you live peaceably with I all I think men. that's a powerful one right yes. there. All right. And then uh, Chris in Atlanta mentions some of the same ones. Matthew 5, 38 and following. Matthew 22, 36 and following. Proverbs 13, 2, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and following 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, 1 Peter 3, 8, 9. Now, the only reason I'm reading those, because we're going through them so fast that obviously you, you can't even write down the ones that are being suggested. But what we want to point out is the Bible has a lot to say. 
about violence. About violence and about the people God wants us to be as a non-violent people. Our view of other people, love thy neighbor as thyself, is maybe one of the more powerful ones in that list. Okay. All right. Now, I think as I've been able to catch just a little bit of what's going on in the chat room, probably the question that's gotten the most attention is, how would you answer those who argue the Bible's an extremely violent book and therefore cannot credibly condemn violence? Yeah, guest uh, 842 in uh, the chat room has been posing this question. Uh, and uh, back, oh, let's see, back here, uh, and actually guest, uh, well, let's see here. It says, ah, I've got to get back to where he was. But in, in the gist of his uh, his question was, uh, the Bible's telling people to kill other people. You read about it. You re- read about some fairly gory details. Uh, you know, uh, some uh, people being killed with the jaw of a, of a, of a donkey. I remember the judge Ehud took his dagger and stuck it in a... Yeah. a, a man and it didn't come out it, it swallowed up the dagger and so there yeah. are some there are some bloody episodes especially in the old testament yes. no doubt about that yeah, dropping millstones on people's heads what about that uh first of all i would argue that some of that probably is not appropriate to to discuss with young children you know there, there's some i mean there's 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 a good bit in the bible about sex you're right. not going to talk about that with your youngest right. children either i mean there are some age-appropriate decisions to be made about things in the Bible that we want to talk to our children about. Right. That's, that's understandable. But what about the violence in the Old Testament? Uh, remember, the, most of the violence that we read about in the Old Testament was uh, God sending the nation of Israel and its armies against certain ones in their surrounding region. Their punishment. Uh, God was using that as a punishment against the sins of those wicked people. The Canaanites, in other words, the Israelites came into the promised land and drove out the Canaanites and conquered them. The Canaanites were were brutal and aggressive. They engaged in all kinds of uh, perverted sins, bestiality, incest, child sacrifice, uh, deviant sexual acts. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one place in the Old Testament, Leviticus 18, verse 25, says that their sins were so repellent that the land vomited them out. In other words, that's just how disgusting the conduct of those people were. The land might be feeling about that about and, us today, and, perhaps. And God was using the army of Israel as a means of punishing the wickedness of those people. Now He's a sovereign God, and He has the right to do that. Yeah. And uh, and that's and, and the, I think the Old Testament explains that that that's what was going on in those times. Now, in addition to that, we know that God gave the Canaanite people sufficient time uh, to repent of their evil ways. And in Genesis 5, beginning verse 13, God told Abraham that his, that his descendants would occupy this land, but not yet, that the evil of the Amorites was not yet full. Yeah. It would be 400 years later. In other words, God was giving them time. He, he anticipated that they would continue to grow more and more evil, but he gave them time until the, their wickedness became so great that it was no longer tolerated by God. And never is this... this uh Killing glorified or any way made uh, light uh, or positive, it's shown that it shows instead the severity of sin and the consequences of sin. And no place is that uh, that killing glorified, and that that's what you need to be doing to other yeah, people. Exactly. It, it, the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven, verse thirty-one, says that those people that the Israelites drove out were disobedient. Right. In other words, they were accountable. 
God held them accountable. They were being judged for their activities. Now, the question comes up, what about the women and children who were killed in some of those episodes? For instance, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul was told to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Man, woman, child, animal, everything. To not bring back any captives or none of the spoil from the battle. What about the killing, especially of innocent children? I think that's an always troubling question. It's not an easy one. It's difficult. But I take some comfort in knowing that those children, I believe children are innocent, not born in sin, not inheriting sin. Therefore, those children that were, those innocent children who were killed were in fact innocent. Therefore, they have an eternity to enjoy. Whereas if they had grown into adulthood, they would have likely engaged in all the sins of their ancestors and then suffered eternally. And so I take some comfort in, you know, one of the reasons why we get very sort of disturbed because we're looking at things from a purely physical, this world perspective rather than from the big picture eternal perspective. And guest 842 says, what about the famous kid's story of Noah and his ark? A great story for kids, but somehow we don't focus on how God killed every living person outside of Noah and his family with the animals. Every old woman, every baby, every other living creature, all dead because God created them and decided he didn't like his creation anymore. I think that's a misstatement of the facts. Yeah, in Genesis chapter 6, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. And verse 11? Verse 11 says the earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. So that was a judgment action by God. And Hall family in the chat room says God didn't kill the people. Noah tried to teach the people as God asked him to. They had a chance to repent. And the people chose not to believe, so they suffered for their choices. And again, for the children, for the innocent ones who may have been, actually the scripture says that among accountable people, only Noah was found righteous in his family. But, for instance, infant children who were on the scene when the flood came, again, they are safe eternally. We can take comfort in that. All right, you asked the question uh, to our listeners. Let's see how they responded. Ramona in Texas says, The sinful men of the Old Testament were unrepentant, even when given so many chances by God to repent. They wanted to continue in sin, so God delivered godly justice on disobedient people because they deserved it. God directed that certain nations be destroyed because of their sin. They were evil. Even if they repented, God spared them. Uh, references, she references Nineveh. God is still pleading for all of us to repent because the day of judgment will be coming and he will deliver justice on those who are sinful and do not repent. And it will be much worse than it was in the Old Testament by a long shot. God wants us to repent, Ramona concludes. All right. Uh, Chris in the UK says, People are violent. The Bible is being honest in the way it depicts it. It also shows how God detests such things as human sacrifice or other methods of pagan worship. So that's why his people are to utterly destroy them and so end that detestable practice. If, if Israel would actually obey, mind you, without God's wrath, how will you see his mercy? For it is displayed in its most beautiful, most beautifully uh, as an act of the most horrible. I don't catch that last sentence. Uh, and then he references Romans 5, 8, 2 Corinthians uh, 19 and following uh, as verses along that line. But again, the Bible tells what actually happened and depicts those events, as Chris says. All right. And uh, Chris in Atlanta says, many times the Bible is, report, is reporting on events. When sin entered into the world, violence was introduced. I would ask the person to give me specific examples and then deal with each one as they presented it. Most people just generalize. 
and they do not have any specific examples or they take things way out of context. All right. Guest 842 does not like your answer. Guest uh, 842 says uh, you, you, you made the claim, he claims that, or she, that there were zero babies on the earth at that no, time. I didn't say that. I no. said among accountable people, only Noah was found to be a righteous man. I see. Okay. Well, all right. You got to, I mean, you, and, and the other thing you got to think about is you're arguing with God. And so if you're going to say it's, it was wrong for, no, for, for God to do what he did, then you have to take it up with him. I don't want to be on that side of the but I, I, To me, I mean, he's not, guest 842 is not satisfied with the answer that those children who died in the flood would be safe eternally. Well, I, I think that's a great blessing. I mean, and, and again, a blessing to the extent that if they had lived to adulthood, they likely would have been the, the, like their like their forefathers, engaged in all sorts of perverted, uh, sinful activities, including child sacrifice, bestiality, uh, and so forth and so on. All right. All right, right. real quickly, we're just almost out of time. Uh, Guest 842 says it is wrong for God to, he's saying it, or she's saying it is wrong for God to kill babies. Well, take it up with God. Can't agree with that. I can't agree. Uh, real quickly, what what steps would you t- suggest for Christian families to limit the influence of violence in their home? Ramona says, monitor the content of television shows, video games that your child watches play. That's a that's a no brainer, right? Pay attention to the TV game parental guidelines. Limit the number of hours they play or watch. Discuss with them why you're doing this. Commercials can be bad too. Record programs without commercials. Rent DVDs, and use the V chip technology to broke to block programs, movies you don't want your kids to see. Good, all good suggestions from Ramona. I think those are, as I said, no-brainers. All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, put barriers in place with your children and the media, like blocking programs on your computer, saying a parent must be present in the room when they want to watch or play something on the television and has the right to turn off the set at the instance of anything inappropriate. They should also be aware, as parents should also be aware as to what your children will be exposed to at so-and-so's place or at the youth group's film night or at a group cinema trip. Uh, there you go. You, you need to be careful about what your kids are seeing at other people's homes. Right. Uh, and you can go to websites, Chris says, to find out uh, what movies are all about. And finally, Chris in the UK, or excuse me, Chris in Atlanta says, set boundaries on what TV programs, movies, and video games are allowed. Also, set time limits on how much is viewed. I would say 90 time, 99 times, 999 times out of a thousand, if not more, a rated R and PG-13 movie will be impro- inappropriate. My message to parents of young children is to please don't let the TV, smartphone, and PlayStation be a babysitter. Be involved with your kids in their lives. They grow up fast, and you're responsible for teaching them proper values. Trust me when I say that Hollywood will not teach them properly. Amen. These kids' shows on Disney and Nickelodeon all portray kids in sexual and other adult situations, and the kids are usually the mature, the kids are usually the mature people, and the adults are the silly, out-of-touch buffoons. Uh, well, he says, let me get off my soapbox. Well, we've sort of been on a soapbox tonight, but I think it's a it's an important one. This information is necessary. I, uh, for anybody who dis, who disputes the, the danger of violent video games in particular, go back and listen again to what Jack Thompson had to say. There, it's, it's indisputable. It's just undeniable. And so I think a lot of Christians need to really go through that cabinet where they keep all those video games stored and probably throw away a vast majority. And there may be some Christian uh, young people here that are listening that uh, may be uh, playing some of these games. You need to think about it. You need to give uh, give some consideration to what you're doing and ask yourself, does it uh, does it develop the kind of characteristics that you think a Christian should 
possessed? Does it cause you to think about things the way that uh, God would have you to think about them and the things that we need to do some self-examination on? It's been an eye-opening discussion for me tonight, and I guess, you know, you and I are sort of out of touch. Uh, I had no idea that they were as as bad as they were. You know, I don't even have a video game. I don't either. So, you know, someone could say I'm speaking from an uninformed perspective, but I don't think they could say that about Jack Thompson. No, he's very informed and uh, very informative and appreciate him for taking time to join us on the program tonight. Jeff's been behind the controls all night. Jeff, you've done a great job. Thank you for being here. uh, Any comments before we close? You're good. Okay. Thank you for being here with us tonight and helping us out. Yeah, thank you for uh, the time and a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate you for joining us on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. If you have anything that you disagree with that we've talked about on this program or on other editions of the Virtual Bible Study, or if you'd just like more information, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future consideration on the Virtual Bible Study, we encourage you to contact us at any time at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Be back here this time next week for another edition. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.